Greetings, Beach Boys fans, and welcome to Surf's Up, a Beach Boys podcast safari. My name is Mark Dillon, and I am joined by my partner, Phil Migliorati. Hello, Phil. Hello, Mark. Good to be with you today. Looking forward to this conversation. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. I just want to mention that uh, for all you listeners out there, you can find our podcasts on our Facebook page under events. Uh, Today, we have a very special guest, author Tom Smucker, who has written a new book about the group entitled simply Why the Beach Boys Matter. Now, this book sets out to, among other things, explain why the group's music has remained relevant across multiple generations. And according to the back cover, looks at the themes running through the Beach Boys' art and career as a whole and examines where they sit inside our culture and politics. So no short order there. You can purchase it through University of Texas Press, Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and other booksellers. So let's uh, get to it. Welcome, Tom, and congratulations on your book. Thank you very much. It's an honor to be uh, on this podcast, and I'm excited to be here. We're excited to have you. Now, we often hear that there's nothing left to say about the Beach Boys, but I, I think you've proven, you've, you've proven otherwise. I mean, it might not be a matter, it might not be a matter of adding much in terms of biographical detail, but yeah. uh, the appreciation and the context of the music changes over time, and you address that. Uh, now, you've been a fan for many years, so I'm wondering if we could start at the beginning, if you could tell us uh, where your fandom began. In college, I guess, uh, college age, uh, and um, uh, the Beatles had hit. Bob Dylan had gone electric. Motown was happening. Uh, I lived in Chicago. Uh, A lot of great uh, stuff was going on with the uh, blues and uh, white guys like uh, Bloomfield uh, catching on to that. Uh, Curtis Mayfield, uh, uh, a lot of great music all of a sudden on uh, Top 40 Radio, which I was listening to. And really, um, the Beach Boys came on uh, with WCFL, which was one of the Top 40 uh, radio stations in Chicago, and also uh, where I listened to uh, White Sox ball games. And uh, something actually happened to me, and I don't even remember what the song was. It was kind of uh, Don't Worry Baby uh, uh, era, but uh, it could have been anything. I don't know what it was. And I just had a um, a kind of a, uh, almost, I'm going to say, spiritual experience or revelation like this, this is the most important music for me, the Beach Boys. And it came as quite a shock because uh, I wasn't a fan in particular of uh, the music coming out of Southern California or anything like that. I mean, I like kind of everything I was hearing on the radio in those days. So uh, uh, I went out and bought uh, Beach Boys Party, which was the album that kind of came out at that moment and didn't relate to it too much. Years later, I I really uh, developed a great uh, appreciation for it. And then um, next time I'm looking around, Pet Sounds has come out. Uh, So this is maybe six months later or something like that and uh, um, at at first I listened to it and it sounded very um, dense I guess I would say there was a lot a lot going on certainly a lot more than I understood and uh, and then I really uh, went all in with that album and um, 
started following the Beach Boys, and um, shortly thereafter, I moved to uh, New York City, uh, kind of a random um, in-your-twenties thing, uh, and um, it turned out I was living down the block. A friend said, oh, well, you should look up this guy who's living down the block who's got the same crazy ideas as you that, that pop music is important. And um, it turned out to be my friend since then, Bob Criscow, who was one of the people really uh, inventing rock criticism along with his then um, uh, girlfriend, if that's the right word, Ellen Willis, who was writing, uh, wrote maybe one of the first great uh, essays about uh, Bob Dylan. And Bob says, oh, well, you like the Beach Boys. Uh, all their old albums are on sale at Sam Goody on, as I remember, at 44th Street. So at that moment, I was both loving the new music that was coming out, Smiley Smile, uh, Wild Honey, Friends, and on and on, and also working my way backward uh with all filling in all uh, the gaps with all the, all the albums in those days you know nobody uh kept um music around that was over 6 months old so record stores would kind of um uh, discount everything from the past and the beach boys were out of fashion uh you know after pet sound so I was listening in both directions at once, and there wasn't anything I didn't like. So, uh, so that was that's that's how it all happened for me. So the Beach Boys were falling out of favor, but uh, the opposite with you. Rolling Stone, as some of us remember from that era, were kind of down on the Beach Boys, but the folks that I was on the edge of in the world of rock critics like like uh chris gow and uh, richard goldstein who uh was writing for the voice were um you know I, I was not picking that up from them at all they they were uh uh bob was very fond of uh wild honey and so on and so forth so um i felt like not only did i really like this music but um in uh, as somebody kind of on the fringes of rock criticism, there were people saying, "No, this this is this stuff is really interesting," and um, that was that <laughs> for the rest of my life. <laughs> I just want to jump in on on, on the Robert Criscow thing. I mean, to me, that's uh -huh. fascinating. Uh, I mean, he is to, to those who don't know, he still is, is at it after all these years. Yeah. I mean, he is. <laughs> He, is, he has called himself the, the Dean of American Rock Critics, and I think uh, yeah. deservedly so. Uh, he became famous writing for the Village Voice for a long, yeah. long time. And, and in my book, I quote him uh, yes. more than any other critic because, yes. again, I mean, he has that continuity from the 1960s yeah. through today. And, and, yeah. I, and I, I would love to hear the kind of conversations you've had with, with, with Robert about the Beach Boys. But the most interesting thing, I think, is that if you go back and look at what he uh, has written uh, sort of from the early 70s onward, he never believed Smile was going to live up to its hype. He, he always was yeah. down on it when the Surf's Up album yeah. came out. He yeah. really dismissed the Surf's Up track, uh, and he, yes. he always felt that you know this was this was a myth more than anything. But then yes. in 2004, when Brian you know set about reconstructing Smile and came out with his yeah. solo version, I mean Robert gave it 
an A plus yeah. and, and called it the album of the year. So I think that yeah. really speaks to the turnaround in critical favor about about the Beach Boys and about Smile in particular. Bob assigned me to write about Smile for the Village Voice. Uh, he was still the music editor at that point and obviously knew I was going to give it a, a good review. He uh, reviewed it actually for Rolling Stone at that point and gave it a great review too. So, yeah. The, the way all of that influenced me is that um, uh, it, at least in, in, the, in the world of rock criticism that I was exposed to, it was like, oh, you really like the Beach Boys, go for it. So there's always been that element, too, of like, hey, I, maybe I like them, maybe I don't, but if you can explain why you like them, that's just as interesting as anything else. Um, so off and on, I had opportunities to uh, express... Um, my enthusiasm for the Beach Boys, and and you know, try to put it in context. And I guess the that uh, the book is is uh, is you know my last word on that, so to speak. <laughs> and uh, you're a retired uh, central office uh, technician at the New York Phone Company, correct? Yeah, uh huh. Yeah, I, w- I worked for a living um, uh, as as a telephone company guy. Um, I knew early on I did not. Um, have the ability to have enough interesting opinions to try to make a life, uh, make a you know have a have a, a income from uh, writing and certainly not um, rock criticism. Yeah, yeah. But so. you did uh, you did write some articles and, and and most notable to this conversation, you wrote a 1972 Cream article about Smile. Yeah. Right? Yes. Well, I that was a that was another example of. Um, uh Dave Marsh was in New York from uh Detroit which is where Cream magazine uh came out of and and was published and uh uh so I met Dave uh, uh and you know he said well, what would you like to write about for Cream and I said well, I'd love to write about the Beach Boys and so he said oh he said go for it uh so I did and and uh, the article was so long that it got spread over two issues, and I. And luckily for me, it was just before Carl and the Passion So Tough had come out, which is a album that I kind of like and kind of don't like to this day. Um, so, I I was able to kind of write about the whole span of the Beach Boys career up to that point as, as a fan, you know, like why this music meant a lot to me and, you know, other people that I knew. So, um, often I've had, uh, uh, some lucky breaks like that. Yeah. Tom, I'm, uh, loving your story, uh, kind of lived some of the same myself. Uh, yeah. When you started with WCFL, I mean, that's the station I listened to. I'm a Chicago kid. I mean, okay. I'm anything but a kid now, but I'm a, when I was a kid. Um, in fact, WCFL got me my first backstage pass. So, you know, I won't go oh, into wow. that. But yeah, okay. it was very cool. Yeah, I think a lot of people, if they get uh, your book, Why the Beach Boys Matter, might think, well, here's a new guy with a, a new approach. And, and yet you've been uh-huh. there. Uh, you know, living it in real time, uh, and, and yeah. so that's uh, very interesting to me. Thank you for well, pointing all that out. Thank you for putting it that way. Yeah, and 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 certainly, um, uh, Crawdaddy championing uh, um, Pet Sounds. You know, I I felt the same way as you. Well, hell, these these people really 
like this, <clears throat> and uh, I must, I'm, you know, I, I guess it's it's uh, what I'm thinking is really true. The the part that I didn't, uh, I kind of um, didn't relate to was how disappointed, um, uh, and and you know, it's been republished uh, certainly by by Paul, who who I think is no longer alive, but yeah, I uh, think 2013 he, he passed away, something like that. Okay, well, uh, he's so blown away when smile doesn't come out and doesn't like smiley smile and is baffled by wild honey and all of that and i understand people went through that but i i felt like gee those albums were great you know uh at, at the time that they came out and i'm still a big fan of smiley smile so well, well let me I, interrupt you tom i've, I've sure. pulled a quote to okay. just affirm what you said uh, okay. this i think is on your website you said smile is great that sounds yeah. is great Wild Honey is great. Yeah. Shut Down Volume 2 is great. Yeah. Uh, we're certainly not going chronological at that point. Sunflower no. is great. But here's a surprise, like, whoa, but Smiley Smile is better. Yeah. So right. I don't know if you want to go into that a little bit, but that uh, <laughs> that, that caught me by surprise a little bit. My... Uh... My grown-up daughter, when she read that, she said, "What, Dad? Do you really believe that? Isn't isn't Pet Sounds your favorite?" So I think a little bit. I'm 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 uh, you know I'm I'm uh, pushing a point there, uh, which uh, I just love the Smiley Smile album, and I loved it when it came out. I find it uh, for some reason I find it very funny, and I also think it has some amazingly great singing. You know, it's kind of off in its own strange direction um but i just think the there's something about it that's just absolutely uh charming to me uh probably um i'm i'm probably uh pushing the point a bit there but i did i did want to have that whole website just because uh maybe maybe to establish that idea that um yeah Smile doesn't happen, and when it finally comes out, you say, "Wow, this really was as good as as we thought it would be." Uh, but there's also something wonderful about the way the Beach Boys kind of uh, drift away from that. Let's top Sergeant Pepper, um, you know, uh, um, uh, rock opera thing, and just go in this other direction, and it's great too. You know, it's 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 really some great stuff. So, um, I mean, probably no no album divides critics as much as that one because it, yes, it's not yes. a smile. And I mean, I right. have these conversations to this day, and I, I had one recently with Jim Fusili, who's also in my book. Okay. He's a rock critic for the yeah. Wall Street yes. Journal, and sure. he loves yeah. Pet Sounds. Like to him, yes. Pet Sounds is everything. And uh, right. boy, does he—he he doesn't think very highly of uh, of Smiley Smile. And when I try to convince right. him that it is a very unique <laughs> and great album in its own right, he'll have none of it. I mean, he doesn't like the fact that some of these songs <laughs> yes. are just segments, and he doesn't like the the sort of homemade production aspect. But I mean, this yes. this is an album that had a big effect on a lot of people. I mean, you look at people like Robbie Robertson and Alice Cooper yes. and. and Steven Tyler. I mean, they, they've all, you know, named this as, as, as an influence or a desert island disc. I mean, there, there, there's really yeah. nothing like it. It was an extremely yes. bold move 
for the yes. group to come out with this out al- this bizarre yes. album uh yes. you know kind of underproduced in some ways at that time but i mean it uh, yes. i think it stands uh stands alone and very highly in the canon yes yes well yes obviously i feel the same way uh and um uh yeah and 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 i know that um he uh, yeah he's written a, a a nice book about pet sounds so uh, yeah. uh, I I can't um, I can't say you know that yeah of course some people feel that way yeah but I, I never get tired of it so what can I say <laughs> your, your own opinions about pet sounds are are interesting I you seem almost uh, maybe I'm misinterpreting, but a bit ambivalent about it. Like, in, it, like you have a chapter called the second greatest album of all time. Now, of course, I'm going to have to ask you what 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 the greatest album is. But but then you sort of almost question why Pet Sounds. It, you make it sound like it's almost like the default thing to say that Pet Sounds is the uh, is is the great Beach Boys album. Like you seem to almost question it, and yet you you love it at the same time. I I think that um, that might be a bit biographical in that. Uh, uh, um, Pet Sounds is obviously the first album of the Beach Boys that I really listened to closely, and I am one of those people that li- you know that there's times when I take it out and listen to it because there's nothing else that I would want to hear at that point, and um, it's an album that means a lot to me personally. I think that um, that's the way I felt when it wasn't wasn't considered such a great success it was considered a kind of a uh, not as good as the Beatles record and um, that really didn't matter to me Um, uh, so I remember that era and it's been interesting to me to see the way over the years in the United States and you know it it appears that um, across the Atlantic and the UK and in Europe, uh, it, it has this uh, wonderful reputation almost from the beginning. But so you know, it's kind of like for me. Well, it's my favorite album, uh, whether whether it's the second greatest album ever or not. Um, and for some other person, you know, uh, we each have our own uh, uh, individual biographies and different music or other cultural things are important to us and uh that's that's cool so i don't really know if it's i i put in second best album ever because it kind of that's where it ends up in the uh era where rolling stone is ranking uh albums and i think i even um i think i even quote uh how it kind of goes up uh, I'm not sure I got it into the book, but I think I did. How there's a time when Pet Sounds is well, it's not that good, and it keeps rising in its yes. uh, in its official estimation over the years. So it's kind of for me. Well, hey, you know, maybe it's not the greatest album ever. Maybe it is the greatest album ever. Who cares? It's the most important album for me. Um, so right. it's, it's more from that point of view. Yeah. Well, you mentioned uh, Dave Marsh earlier, and there's another interesting guy because here's a guy yeah. that never believed in Smile, never really liked Pet Sounds. I mean, he, right. he was so in love with the early Beach Boys record. Yes. Probably his yes. favorite would be the Beach Boys today, and he likes the yes. early stuff as well. Uh, yes. And and it was shocking that despite the fact that Pet Sounds, even back in the 
I guess the seventies or eighties was making those those lists of the top ten greatest albums of all time. Then the Rolling yeah. Stone record guide that he was editing and then he yes. wrote the entry. He gave it three stars. Three stars yes, out of yes, five yes, for right. Sound. You know? Yes, yes. So uh, right. I th- I think yes. over time he had to come to acknowledge the, the importance of this album. Yes. Yeah. Well if if it's if it's fair to summarize Dave's point of view, uh and and it probably isn't, but nonetheless I'll do it. I'd say yeah, he he uh, he likes the earlier stuff better. He likes you know classic rock and roll better than whatever you want to call you know prog rock and et cetera et cetera. And uh, and you know he's made a good case for that with his with the stuff that he's written. But uh, obviously that's not how I feel. And I will say he is the guy that said go ahead and write what you want. And and it, uh, when I sent it off. Um, it was edited, but at Cream, uh, maybe by Dave, maybe not. Ben Edmonds was there, who was a, a huge uh, Beach Boys fan. But no one ever said, "Take this out," or "You can't say that's good," or whatever. So, um, you know, it, it was more like some of that stuff wasn't to his liking. But if it was to my liking and I could make a case for it, they would print it, and they did. So, uh, I'll put it that way. You know, as I'm listening to you both talk about this, uh, you just talk for hours about pet sounds and not even talk about the music, you know, the specific tunes. It's amazing. And I wonder if some of this is, Tom, you can uh, respond. And Mark, I'd welcome you responding too, agree or disagree. Uh, I think for some, pet sounds was like the other albums before it in the sense of it's the next progression but if you don't yes. look at it as progression, if you look at it as maybe Brian's first uh, sidestep, but I don't mean it's not as good. I just mean side in a direction that yes. is more pop than rock. If you look at it as a rock album, yes. it's to, you know made top ten, but it's and you compare it to the Beatles, but it's not comparing to where they were, where their vibe was at that time. Yeah, uh, maybe it's the first album that took a sidestep or went in a different direction, and then of course Smiley Smile. Uh, prove yeah. that again and you know on and on so I'm not sure what you think about that Tom but yeah I, I, I would agree with that I think there's uh, certainly for me there's really a lot in that record uh, and uh, and I would and um, I think some of the initial reaction to it was it's not very upbeat you know it's not an upbeat <laughs> record and and um, one of the claims I make over and over again is uh um, you know, sure, the Beach Boys have a lot of upbeat songs up to that, but if you look, and, and of course lots of people have said the same thing, if you look at the Beach Boys today, there's a lot of, um, you know, uh, a lot of the kind of questioning, um, sad, sad if you want to keep it simple, um conflicted etc you know how are things going to work out are things okay and so on and i think that's in their music from the beginning and one of the reasons that they've lasted all of this time they do they do uh combine the um the optimistic with the pessimistic the sad with the happy and so on and so forth mm-hmm. but pet sounds really i mean pet sounds ends with caroline no it doesn't it doesn't end with uh uh, you know, um, it starts with "Wouldn't be, wouldn't it be nice?" and ends with "Caroline." No, so, so I, I, I think there's a lot. Uh, you know, 
all kinds of cross currents going on in that record, and that's that's one reason why it's really a great record. And and both the the um, complexity of uh, I mean the layers and the layers and the layers that are in that music, as 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 we've all enjoyed over the years with Pet Sound sessions and uh, acapella parts and so on and so forth. There's just there's just a lot of different um, a lot of different things going on at the same time, all pulled together. So um, I think that's that's that is one reason why it's a great record. Uh, so yeah, I would agree with you completely. And there's there's a way in which it does it both for me anyway. It kind of sums up everything up to that point, and then you can also look at it and say, wow, in there somewhere is the guy that's then going to make the Beach Boys love you, you know, and or the, some of those <laughs> yeah. upsetting, you know, downer kind of stuff. It's in there too. Um, and, and, I, and I would even, you know, I'm kind of a social context kind of person. I would even make the claim that um, in... In Europe, in England, or wherever else the, the Beach Boys were popular, that that element of the record struck people as okay, fine. That's that's part of what's happening here, uh, but it's a pop masterpiece. And I think there was a little kind of, uh, as I remember that moment in time. So I was I was a, a young guy, but uh, probably 21 years old at that point. Um, there was a, uh, a shift going on in the United States, some anxiety about, you know, what's what's happening here? Is the country beginning to come apart? Um, I don't want to make too much of that, but I do think there was an element of, like, um, uh, it, it was an upsetting record in some ways for some people. Uh, and, and maybe that was the, the reason it didn't get promoted properly or... Uh, it, it didn't, um, you know, it, it, it didn't get the attention it deserved, I think, is, what, is how I would put it. You yeah. almost make it sound like it's a, it's a counterculture record. And, I mean, that point has been made. I think it was yes. uh, um, yes. in, in the Don Was documentary, I just wasn't made for these times. The guy from Sonic Youth, yes. he, uh, he, he compares the album to the Velvet Underground. He said, you know, on one yeah. hand, I was listening to the Velvet Underground, yeah. and then I was listening yeah. to Pet Sounds, and to me, it all yeah. sounded like it was part and parcel of the same thing. So it's like you're setting yeah. up Brian now as a counterculture figure all of a sudden, which wasn't yeah. what the Beach Boys were before, and then he's right. taking it to, you know, the mainstream culture, the record company, and, and being yeah. somewhat rejected. You know, as as I as I try to say about myself, I'm not a journalist. Um, uh, I'm not Mark Dillon. I can't interview a, a million people and put it together and, into. In fact, I kind of feel like after Mark's book, who, who needs to do that? You know, there it is. It's all there. Um, but uh, but I do always wonder what happened to Capitol Records that they kind of seemed like they sabotaged this. Uh, album and replace you know almost immediately they come out with um uh best of the beach boys volume three which is a, a weird uh a weird move at that moment you know um but you know it's all it's all in the past now talking about pet sounds as a counterculture 
uh, statement. I'm wondering, I mean, that's what you do, and that's what your your book uh, does so well. But I, I, I'm wondering if, uh, let me put it this way, that in real time, that Brian's coming of age, if, if I can say that, uh, happened to coincide with a coming of age of a generation. Yeah, and I would say so. So while he wasn't yeah. writing protest or thinking about Vietnam, maybe per se, uh, his yeah. personal angst or whatever uh, just yeah. happened to coincide. Yeah, I I would agree with that. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a very but good I think point. He, he, yeah. he tackles that a bit more directly. Well, somewhat more directly on, on Smile. I mean, if you look at yes. songs yes. like Cabin Essence or yes. Do You Like Worm, I mean, there's definitely a lot yes. about colonization. Uh, yes. You know, I, I don't think that was a coincidence. I think there's definitely a metaphor going on there. He's talking about yes. the times. Yes, I do, too. Yeah. Good point. And, and at the at the very least, he's reaching out to a guy like Van Dyke Parks and thinking, well, you know, there's something there's something there that we can do together. Yeah. So I, I would agree with that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think that's a good point. So, Tom, let me ask you this question, and I don't mean to be cute with it, but what does it matter that the Beach Boys matter? Your book is making <laughs> a statement. Uh, it's a yeah. great sociological. I love the sociological dimension of, yeah. of, you know, it's not just biographical and, you know, chart yeah. numbers and stuff. Uh, yeah. Why the Beach Boys matter? We can get more into that. But what does it matter if the Beach Boys matter? Well, I'll, let me first give you the shallow answer, and then I'll, and then I'll try to give a better answer than that. Um, th- this book was uh, originally... Um, this book and the Ramones book that followed it, Why the uh, Ramones Matter by Donna Gaines, were originally going to be published by the University of New England Press. And the whole idea for this series of books, and now there's one that just came out about Karen Carpenter, and there's going to be, you know, two or two or three a year, was the uh, was an was the idea of of a editor uh, in New Hampshire, um, Stephen Hull, who just had this idea that he was going to have a series of books about pop pop uh, groups or individual pop music groups or individuals to be short, um, but not as short as the 33 and a third books, and kind of you know um, dense, I guess maybe is one way to put it, or or compact, uh, and so uh, so that's the series. Why you know, and 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 the, the longer it goes on, the more it will be like, well, the Beach Boys matter to me, and here's why. But um, the Ramones matter to Donna Gaines, and there's why. And then there's why does Karen Carpenter matter? And so. Uh, um, that's that's just the name of the series, and since I was the first guy to write for it, we went back and forth uh, to, for this guy Stephen, who then um, that press shut down, and and University of Texas Press took the whole thing over. Um, so uh, that's that's kind of a long-term thing that you know. Hopefully, there'll be a shelf a shelf full of books, and uh, no one will say all these groups. Uh, matter to everybody, or all these individuals matter to everybody. But each each person that's writing is making the case for why the group matters to them and matters it, in some larger context. I I would say um, 
if I can just make the case for why it matters to me as a as a fan, um, that should be of interest to some people. Just like um, I, uh, outside of uh, the Ramones and the Clash, um, my kids were really babies and toddlers during the punk era, and I didn't really. Uh, I was more into going to work, coming home and being a dad than uh, going to CBGB's here in uh, New York. So, um, but, I, but I could still read a book by somebody who could write about, um, uh, you know, some, some other punk group and find it interesting and never feel like, well, that's going to matter to me. Or likewise, uh, um, I, I could... Uh, enjoy a book that's about um, a, a hip-hop group that I don't really follow, but say, well, for this person, that's really important music to them, and they've made an interesting case for it. So so there's just that level of, uh, I, I do uh, agree with the idea of uh, rock criticism as coming from a fan, whoever you are, uh, and and you're you're starting from the base as a fan as an enthusiast or likewise at times somebody that doesn't like certain music uh and but but we're but you're um beginning from that individual place the the bigger argument i might make is that i feel um both as a um as a a little kid who kind of grew up in the suburbs of Chicago when they were at first uh, we lived in um, uh, when I was a very little kid we lived in a western suburb that was just really turning from farmland in the suburb I even went to a one-room schoolhouse for one for second grade uh, and then and and you know if you go back there now of course it's 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 been it's been uh, suburbs for 50 years, but uh, so I, I would make a case that uh, the Beach Boys, both, um, you know, Brian Wilson is this genius who happens to live in Hawthorne, California, and he's exposed to certain things. But one of them is just a, a moment in time when we're suddenly uh, a certain way of life, which I'm going to call um, mass. Uh, mass suburbia as opposed to a kind of a here and there little towns that some people live in and they commute into big cities uh, becomes a dominant way of life in North America and then kind of uh, uh, it is a is a way that spreads just you know in in my lifetime and so uh, the Beach Boys are just these uh, well, one genius and uh, two or three other quite talented people who are singing out of that experience, and they they are just singing about what they know, and and so in in some ways, uh, uh, singing about cars and in my room and all of that stuff is is uh, expressing a, a new culture that then is really a. Uh, one of the dominant ways that uh, uh, many of us live, certainly in North America, and I'm, I'm 
not a world traveler, but I suspect that uh, it it resonates in that way for a lot of people. And then uh, on top of that, uh, it's a moment in time where um, I hope I make the case a little bit in the book. When these these kids are kind of getting it together, their dad is already familiar with recording studios. That technology and that uh, access already exists for people who aren't, you know, incredibly wealthy, but have, a, you know, have a little bit of uh, affluence. So they um, they learn about, uh, hey, let's go to this recording studio and re- and record surfing. So the the technology of the recording studio is really a big part of the Beach Boys story, and of course, then you know everybody agrees Brian Wilson is this genius in the studio, and I I would suspect we we need to give Carl Wilson a lot of credit there too. But that's that itself is the way uh, a lot of our music is then made, and including t- up until today. So that's a that's a story that in some ways. Um, w- will just be a part of uh, the history of pop music, and and I, I kind of feel that piece of the Beach Boys is now, um, or or Brian in particular, but really all of them, that uh, that kind of the the uh, beginning of the recording studio as itself being an instrument is is. Um, uh, being absorbed as a kind of a general uh, thing that now cur- people currently it, uh, producing uh, new pop music are kind of understanding Brian in that way, uh, as opposed to uh, oh well they just sang about surfing. Uh, that the, they they really are there figuring out the recording studio uh, and and maybe. The last point for me would be that um, the era called the 60s, whatever we want to define when it started and when it ended, uh, is, a, uh, is a moment of a lot of shifts, a lot of breaks, a lot of things that have uh, that changed then that have been a part of our culture ever since uh, in my opinion, a lot of it good and some of it not good. Um, and the Beach Boys actually um, are one, of, and I make the case, I think, in the book, one of the few groups that that have a um, have a, a presence before in what I'm going to I call the early '60s. And you know, you you can say, well, it actually goes back to the Kingston Trio or something else and and then they and they and they do have this tumultuous era and they do have music since then including you know up to the present so i would say in that sense they matter as as one of the groups that there's a lot of material there to uh listen to refer to um and i when i started thinking about this i really couldn't think of uh two other groups that did that other than the Beatles and the Temptations, and uh, I feel it's a little different. The Beatles are the Beatles and unique in, in that way, but um, but uh, so I would say those are the three re- reasons why I say it matters that they matter. <laughs> mm-hmm. 